0: All right, hello, Two Rivers. Uh, Good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out now as we come to uh, the Word of God uh, to uh, be uh, taught and equipped and encouraged and strengthened in some really new and fresh ways today. We're going to be kind of wrapping uh, Mark 11 today. We've been in Mark 11 for quite a few weeks now. We've taken our time and we'll finish. Mark 11 today so if you would go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 before we get to our passage let me just recap a little bit as you know it's Holy Week in Jerusalem and all the things that we've been talking about really over the last three weeks is Jesus preparing people his disciples the, uh, the crowds, the chief priests, everyone preparing them, prophetically declaring by his words and action uh, the ending of the Old Covenant way of life and thought process and action to inaugurate the New Covenant. The Mark 11 is the buildup to Jesus' death and resurrection, which inaugurates the New Covenant of grace. Um, it's... Three days' worth of uh, narrative that we've been looking about. Uh, let me recap uh, week one for you, or day one, excuse me. Day one uh, in Holy Week, uh, Jesus' humble entry uh, on the baby donkey. And he goes, Mark eleven eleven, and he goes up to the temple. Uh, day one of Holy Week, and he looks around at everything. And then they go back to Bethany. Day two, he comes back from Bethany with his disciples. Uh, He's flipping money tables over that uh, people use to uh, pay for their atonement, to pay for their forgiveness. He denounces the entire uh, temple operation, the whole reality. And because of that, the chief priests of the temple uh, begin to seek. uh, They're seeking a way to kill him uh, because of Jesus' words and actions. Uh, As you remember, he curses this fig tree uh, in Bethany as a symbol Uh, to the ending of this temple sacrificial system. And then it's day three. Uh, The disciples leave Bethany again, and they head to Jerusalem again, third day in a row. Uh, There was a miraculous reality of that fig tree that Jesus cursed because in a 24-hour period, the fig tree that was in full leaf has withered away to its roots. Uh, And in the same way, uh, Jesus is declaring that the temple on Mount Zion Uh, would also be thrown into the sea it would be withered away to its roots as well Uh, Jesus again uh, with the disciples day three uh, walking back into Jerusalem uh, teaching his disciples this new way of grace Uh, and here's the big change Um, People that are believing and following Jesus will not be paying for atonement, for their own atonement uh, anymore, but having simple and powerful faith in God and the radical free forgiveness that is found in Jesus' sacrifice for us in his death and resurrection. So that's where we pick up the story Mark eleven twenty seven, 27, uh, Jesus is arriving again with his disciples day three of Holy Week. Um, he gets to the temple and uh, as we know from last week's passage, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, all of the law leadership of the temple, uh, they were waiting on him with murderous demonic intentions because Jesus, the day before, is threatening uh, their power, their control, and their status uh, in their temple leadership and their wealth. Um, And you don't come into uh, something as massive uh, and sacred and holy as a temple without ticking the people off that are leading it. Uh, And so Jesus, knowing that they were Uh, finding a way to kill him, he comes back anyway. He comes back day three of Holy Week. Uh, Why does he do this? I said this last week. I want to repeat it again before we get to our passage this morning. For Jesus to do uh, what he is doing here, uh, to attack and denounce something so holy and so massive as the temple, yes, it took enormous courage, but more importantly, it took incredible clarity of his mission and the clarity of his mission was to be a once-for-all sacrifice for all people for all time, and in doing so, uh, denouncing and ending uh, the old covenant of law. This is where we pick up today, just a few verses in our time together this morning. Mark eleven twenty-seven to thirty-three, and I've entitled uh, the message uh, "Authority." Would you read these words? With me this is the word of God Uh, Mark 11 verse 27 And they came again to Jerusalem Again third day in a row Holy week They came again to Jerusalem And as Jesus was walking in the temple The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him And they said to him By what authority are you doing these things Or who gave you this authority to do them And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Verse 30, here's the question that Jesus asked them. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of law, and they discussed with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, you see, they were afraid of the people for they all held that John was really a prophet. They were afraid of the response of the people because the people held that John was really a prophet. And once a prophet was uh, had passed away, their, their influence, their popularity even rose. And so they're feeling some tension around this reality and this question. And so they answer Jesus, uh, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. This is our uh, passage from Scripture This morning, let me help you understand who uh, this group of religious people were. It names three different kind of groups of people that were challenging and questioning Jesus in the temple uh, on this uh, particular day. The chief priest, uh, this group of men, they are former high priests and former priests, and they had now like permanent duties in the temple. They were just, they were always there. They were always present. They had these, this permanent reality in the temple. The teachers of the law uh, were the learned uh, Mosaic law experts. They had all 4, 613 Mosaic commandments on the lockdown. They were the lawyers there. Uh, and then the elders uh, were wealthy laymen that were kind of drawn in. And most likely uh, because of their wealth, uh, they were drawn in. And so that's, that's the crew who is there challenging Jesus. And I would say to you, they are, uh, they are disgustingly religious. Uh, they wore the garb. They spoke the religious uh, schmack. They genuinely, at the core, believed that they were better. Than everybody else. Uh, it uh, would make you want to vomit, actually. I believe that. Um, take some time later uh, after this uh, time together uh, right now, uh, write down Matthew chapter 23. I encourage you to go and uh, read Matthew chapter 23. Uh, seven woes that Jesus speaks uh, over the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23. This is also happening during Holy Week, perhaps on this exact same day. Uh, But here's some examples of what Jesus calls this really religious group of people from Matthew 23. He says, You are hypocrites. You preach, but you do not practice. Matthew 23, it says, you you are blind guides and fools. You are whitewashed tombs. Matthew 23, verse 33, Jesus says to this group of legalistic, religious people who believe at the core they are better than everyone else and they put people under the heavy yoke of their rules and traditions. He says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell verse 38 in Matthew 23 your house is left to you desolate Jesus simply didn't mince his words and coming squarely against the religion and the religious way that these uh, men operated and so I want to ask you a question to ponder Is Jesus religious? As we think about Matthew 23, as we think about all the things that we have been uh, talking about in Mark 11, a question that I just want you to think about is this, is Jesus religious? Uh, It's interesting, uh, sometimes when I'm meeting new people out in the community, or really wherever I am, and people find out that I am a pastor, uh, sometimes when I meet someone, Uh, They will say to me when they find out I'm a pastor, they will say immediately, well, I'm not religious. And I always answer this way. When I meet someone, they find out I'm a pastor and they tell me right off the bat, hey, I am not religious. I always answer this way. Great. I'm not religious either. And Jesus wasn't religious Either, and it always makes for a really good conversation with people around that. Uh, is Jesus religious? I would say no. The way of Jesus comes against religion. The way of grace is not the way of religion. And so in our text in Matthew 11, we have the religious coming against jesus challenging his authority back to our text i want you to keep this in mind these chief priests these former high priests former uh, Um, high priests and other priests who had permanent duties in the temple, they um, saw themselves as, uh, they believed they were really licensed from heaven to rule over God's temple. And it gave them uh, this spiritual authority over people. It gave them positions of power, and it gave them a lot of financial wealth. And they were not about to let some rogue outsider, teacher, prophet from a know-nothing town uh, north of there called Nazareth. They were not going to allow Jesus to uh, usurp their power. And so they were against him. They were plotting to kill him already, but they had to be careful. You see, the crowds We're growing. It's day three, Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus was becoming very popular. People were uh, astonished by him. We talked about that last week. They were amazed by him, not necessarily astonished and amazed in that they were believing and following Jesus. Some of them were uh, just simply shocked by some of the prophetic declarations that Jesus was making. But when somebody comes into the temple and they make those kind of statements about something so holy and massive, whether they're following or not, they're still astonished and they want to hear more and so this crowd is gathering and so um, the chief priests had to be careful um, because the crowds were growing Uh, they needed to be shrewd and so they challenged Jesus on this third day of Holy Week by what authority are you doing these things Uh, so religious right by what authority are you doing these things? It's such a religious question. We are needing you to present your credentials to us. As we think about all the narrative stories we've been talking about over the last really nine months since we began this journey in the Gospel of Mark um, last fall, uh, in Mark's Gospel, any, uh, anyone who approaches Jesus with hostility, with hostile questions, uh, Jesus never gives them direct answers. And we see that theme over and over and over in the Gospel of Mark. And I think it's pretty savvy of Jesus. I think it's something we would be even wise to remember um, Jesus's kind of posture when he gets hostile questions uh, is, I'm not going to let you put me on the defensive with your hostile questions. So in response, I'm going to answer your question with a question. And that's exactly what happens in our passage this morning. And Jesus responds to their question. By what authority do you do these things? Jesus simply says, let me ask you a question. Answer me this question, and he brings in John. Was John's ministry, was his baptism, was it from heaven or was it from men? Tell me. And then the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the wealthy uh, elders, uh, they gather together and they begin to talk together on how to answer this question Uh, context jesus is obviously talking about his first cousin john the baptist and the heavenly call of john the baptist was to prepare the way of the lord john the baptist was a herald to the ministry of jesus and we know john the baptist uh, from some famous sayings some things that he said like i must decrease and he jesus must increase. Another famous statement of the herald John the Baptist when he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to think about with me for just a moment John the Baptist's ministry and how John the Baptist's prophetic ministry uh, was so different so radically different from the temple atonement system of the old covenant. Again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the old covenant, uh, people's sin, uh, they paid again, they paid for an animal sacrifice. Uh, the animal was, um, was sacrificed, blood was spilled, and their people's sin was covered by many sacrifices. That was uh, the way of atonement in the Old Covenant. Well, in the New Covenant, uh, people's sin was taken away by one sacrifice. So we've got two big differences between the Old Covenant and the New. Again, in the Old, it's covered by many sacrifices, and in the New Covenant, it's taken away by one sacrifice. This is really, really significant in our understanding. As my good friend uh, Greg Hook calls John the Baptist, J the B. Uh, J the B was the herald of the new covenant of grace saying, Jesus takes away the sins of the world. Here's another difference of John the Baptist's ministry. Think about this with me. John preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins that bypassed the temple's sacrificial cult system. It was free. Think about this. The baptism of John the Baptist, the River Jordan, it was free. No sacrifice was needed except that of a repentant heart. No money exchanged hands. It wasn't religious at all. Religion puts the focus on you and what you have done, what you must do. Jesus, the new covenant of grace, puts the focus on the ministry, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Religion puts the focus on you. Grace puts the focus on Jesus And John the Baptist was a herald of that reality So in this story, Jesus asking them about John In doing so, Jesus implicitly aligns himself With the ministry of John the Baptist John's ministry is from heaven And so is Jesus' ministry And it's funny to think about how the chief priests responded. They are, they're caught off guard by the question. They are the bullies, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders, they are the bullies. They show up as bullies to confront Jesus on this particular days and this particular day, and they get knocked back by Jesus' question. They get stunned by Jesus' question. and I love it. Uh, they 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 get together and they're um, they're confused. I think they're even afraid. Uh, 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 shoot shoot shoot! Fire guys like we're we're afraid of the people. So if we say this, it means this. And uh, I, let's just say we don't know. Let's just say we don't know. And then they come to Jesus and they say, we don't know. And then Jesus says, boom, roasted. Obviously, that's my uh, paraphrase of what's going on here. Uh, Jesus actually says, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. When you come in humble faith to Jesus, you receive Jesus's authority. You receive his grace. You receive his peace. You receive his free forgiveness. You receive his blessing. You receive the hope of eternal life. But when you come in hostility, you get boom, roasted. To which some people might say to me, they might come to me uh, as, a, as a pastor and they say, well, well, actually, just a few days later, um, the chief priest, they, they did get Jesus, bro. Like they got him, you know, the whole Garden of Gethsemane story and the arrest and the flogging. And the death of Jesus on the Roman torture cross. They did get Jesus. To which I would answer this way. uh, Jesus wasn't killed. Jesus laid his life down for the sheep. The chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders never had any authority whatsoever Jesus was always in charge. He said these words in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I choose. I am a volunteer. This is my mission that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one, Jesus said, no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus Jesus would not become a victim of the Roman government and the chief priests of the temple and them being in cahoots together. Jesus was not a victim. He was a volunteer. It was his mission. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this command I received from my Father. All the things in Mark chapter 11, day one in Jerusalem, day two in Jerusalem, day three in Jerusalem, leading up to Thursday, the Lord's table ex- being being um, inaugurated, uh, and the money tables of the temple going away to Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday, all of this, all of this reality in Mark chapter eleven is about the collapse and the final ending of the old covenant of law, and Jesus heralding the new covenant that would be inaugurated by His own blood on the cross of Calvary. I said this last week as well, and I want to say it again today. No longer will daily sacrifices be needed in the temple because of Jesus' forthcoming sacrifice on the cross that would be a once-for-all sacrifice for all time, for all people. I've been saying that phrase, once for all, over the last couple of weeks, and I want to close our time together uh, by unpacking that and where that is in the Scripture. And so if you would, uh, turn your Bibles uh, over now to um, Hebrews chapter 10. I want to uh, emphasize that phrase, once for all. It's a recurring phrase In the book of Hebrews, you might remember us uh, working through the book of Hebrews in the fall of 2018. Uh, We spent a lot of time talking about these things. I want to remind you of this again this morning. Once for all, a phrase that we see uh, coming up again and again in the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 7, 27. It's in Hebrews chapter 9 a few times, uh, in Hebrews 10, 10. Uh, This phrase, once for all, is essential in our understanding of our freedom in the new covenant of God's grace. And to these, these original readers who grew up, seeped uh, in the old covenant of law, this idea, this understanding, this phrase, once for all, was a massive, radical, huge shift. Let's read uh, Hebrews 7, 27 together. Jesus has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since Jesus did this, he offered himself a once for all sacrifice. He did this once for all when he offered up Himself speaking of his sacrifice on the cross, the truth that Jesus died only once cannot be overstated. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews goes to great lengths to teach us that Jesus died only once. Hebrews ten ten says, "We, we those those who believe and receive." Jesus, his work, his resurrection in our lives, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. There's a phrase, once for all. Because Jesus died only once for complete and total forgiveness, the daily temple sacrifices for the Jewish people were no longer necessary, it was all coming to an end. And any any belief, any system of belief that doesn't embrace and celebrate and proclaim once for all forgiveness because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus alone is not the gospel. To add any work at all, to add anything, At all to Jesus's once for all sacrifice. To add any other old covenant reality to that, any other old covenant rule or tradition or sacrifice for forgiveness, to add to any work at all would be to publicly disgrace the sufficiency of Jesus's once for all sacrifice for us on his cross of grace. It is Jesus' plus nothing equals the gospel and the gospel of grace is very clear in verse 10 it starts we have been sanctified this is past tense Hebrews 10 is coming uh, after what Jesus is prophetically declaring in Mark 11 and what he would do uh, after, after during holy week we have been sanctified means we have been made holy in the past tense it's done for us because jesus has already done it what the author of hebrews is declaring hebrews 11 is the result of all that jesus has been prophetically declaring and doing in mark 11 and what jesus would ultimately fulfill Uh, on Good Friday by his death and his resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. And I just, I pray, I pray and hope uh, that this is connecting with your mind and your heart. It is so essential for us. All sin forgiven in Jesus. All those who believe in the work of Christ, they are made right with God. They are made right. Righteous, they are reconciled, they are redeemed, they have been sanctified, they have been made holy. Mercy, the mercy of Jesus triumphs over judgment. And from the fullness of Christ, we have received not law upon law, we have received grace upon grace by the sufficient once for all sacrifice of Jesus. This, this is what John the Baptist prepared the way for. This is what Jesus has fulfilled for us. Everything in the kingdom of God must now shift fully and completely to Jesus. The way of the old covenant law, the way of the temple Sacrificial cult system is over. It is done. The way of grace has come. Have faith in God. Free forgiveness. Redemption because of faith alone. In Jesus alone. By grace alone. Jesus is in full authority. And Jesus does not lord it over Anyone, Jesus by his grace radically includes everyone and invites everyone to come to the banquet table of his grace. Will you come? Will you come? Will you be refreshed? Will you be encouraged, strengthened, filled with new hope and peace? to sever a relationship with the law and to embrace the freedom of forgiveness in Jesus alone. This is the gospel. This is the good news that I proclaim to you once again this morning. Uh, would you pray with me? Lord, I, I feel stirred in this moment. I am just, I'm so grateful uh, once again uh, to receive to be on the receiving end of your goodness and your grace. And I pray, Lord, that each person that is watching and listening would be so refreshed now in the good news of the gospel. What you have come to do for us to rescue, redeem, reconcile, to sanctify us, make us holy, to give us an inheritance the hope of eternal life, free, free forgiveness based on faith alone, Jesus alone, by grace alone. Uh, we celebrate it anew this morning. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I encourage you to uh, respond to the good news with a grateful heart that is filled of the spirit as we sing uh, this last song, encourage you as we do every week uh, to spend some time as we respond in worship, to worship as well at the Lord's table, uh, the body of Jesus broken, his blood shed for us. And as you uh, respond in worship, if you feel as you feel stirred in worship, uh, we welcome you to um, bring free will offerings uh, to our church so that we can continue our ministry and mission in our community of Fort Collins, in our region, and in the world. You can bring your offerings uh, online or you can send those in uh, to our PO box. God bless you, church. We love you.